0: Hello everybody. Um before I get into my wrestling highlights of the week, I just want to uh say that we lost a wrestling uh we lost a wrestler this week. Um a female wrestler named Daphne. Uh she's better known for wrestling in the later years of WCW like WCW 2000-2001 before they shut down and she had some runs in Impact Wrestling, better known as TNA Wrestling. And she had some independent runs as well. Uh, she had... She was... And she spent some time in Ring of Honor. In the early stages of Ring of Honor, she had some time in Shimmer uh, Wrestling. Shimmer Professional Wrestling, that was another uh independent all-female wrestling organization. I just mean... uh, Daphne, she was better known as the Scream Queen, okay? um, Daphne transitioned over Thursday. Um, that's whenever the breaking news came out Thursday that Daphne had transitioned over. Um, I didn't know nothing about this until Wednesday, not Wednesday, but like Thursday morning. Because I didn't, I went to my Twitter Thursday morning while I was waiting for one of my classes to start. And I just started going on my Twitter and just like looking, looking. And I got it and I looked at a tweet that McFoley had. And the retweets, if anyone has a way of reaching Daphne Younger or knows her address, please help out. She's in a bad personal place and is threatening to harm herself. My phone call went straight to voicemail. Um, I didn't know what he what what was the deal was. So I started looking it up a little bit and. There was news outlets that were saying that Daphne's uh, last Instagram live. Uh, she start talking about she had problems or well, issues that she has CTE and that uh, she was in this world all alone. And she was just it made it seem like she was going to do some damage to herself. So that Thursday, after I read that tweet from McFoley, I read another tweet from a wrestling uh, reporter. And it said that somebody has been sent to Daphne's last reported uh, public residents and they're going to check up on her now and I was like, okay, somebody's going to check up on her. Okay, fine. This probably be a thing that somebody has to check up on her and we'll just be fine. So I didn't pay no more attention to it. Class starts. I go through my whole class day. Later in the day I go home. I check my Twitter again and you just get nothing but wrestlers on my feed just saying, Rest in peace to Daphne and I was like, oh no. And um it's been reported that she committed suicide. Um I just want to let everybody know that you are not alone in this world. You're not alone. If you need somebody to talk to, you can email me at my two cents uh, pod at yahoo.com. Email is again, my two cents pod at yahoo.com. You might be saying, Gerald, why would anybody want to like, talk to you? If you feel alone, it's nothing better but just to talk to a perfect stranger. Just let your the strangers like, read your... Um, you just let somebody just read the type of uh, situation that you're going through. This person might be able to help you out. You just might need this person just to be a wall, just so you can get all this emotions off your chest. And this wall might even have some encouragement or some type of knowledge that they can give to you. Um, but just know you're not alone in this world. It doesn't have to uh, be this way. I, I, Depression is such a thing that's a heavy thing. Mental health is such a heavy thing thing to talk about that i don't want to say nothing wrong here and i'm trying not to say nothing wrong here but i just want everybody to know that you're not alone please if you feel that you are alone you feel like you're about to end it all please email me email uh email anybody that you do know talk to somebody just text somebody randomly just call a random number call call a a suicide hotline, just please, please try to get, try to call or email somebody, please. If somebody doesn't email you right back quickly, just know that you send the email off and just wait. Trust me, somebody will respond to you. Trust me, if you email me, I will respond to you. Please, I will have my email again in my email uh descriptions of this episode that if you want to email me it doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be about business or anything it could just be something personal that you just want to get off your chest you can just email me please cuz we need to all live we all there's something for us to live for in this day and age i know this pandemic has made people feel that they're alone um you're not please please there is a light at the end of this tunnel Please, there is light. There are things that you can look forward to every day. You can look forward to just seeing what type of bird you might see the next day, what type of car you might see, what type of episode. There's there's a lot of things you can look forward to the next day. But ending it all is not the way to do it. Please, please, please. And I'm hoping I'm saying this all right, because I'm not trying to say nothing wrong here. I'm just trying to just say, please. Um, just contact your friends, contact a stranger, contact anybody that you could just tell your problems to, please, please. Um, out of this news, we did get, we did hear that WWE is, um, offering counseling to their professional wrestlers. So that's a good thing that WWE is doing. And I believe every other professional wrestling company is probably taking, uh, steps forward to that as well because we're still in this time where people are going through mental uh, health issues and mental health is like the, at the top of like the profession now and since everybody had a whole lot, since everybody last year had a time just to sit at down and last year just really sit down and just like check out on their life and everything else because pandemic made you sit down and look at yourself and look at your life and you question things about yourself but getting to my point Please do not end your life. Please just contact somebody. Don't think that you can't contact anybody. Call Suicide Hotline. Just go on the internet and play some type of games. Just play some card games if you want to just do something. But please do not end your life. That's all I'm asking you as a person of this uh, human being, as a person that's living this life, is also on this earth with you. There are things to look forward to every day. Every day, you can always just see something new that you haven't seen the day before. So, with that being said, please, 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 do not end your life. And Daphne, you will be missed by the wrestling uh world. You were, you were different. I mean, she came out with a whole lot of tattoos. The first time I really, really like paid attention to Daphne whenever she was in Impact Wrestling. She came with uh, Doctor Stevie. She had her little angle with Abyss. And that made me circle back to her days whenever she was with WCW with David Flair and Crowbar. And you just hear the yell whenever she came out, the entrance of theme with her yelling. I mean, she was different. So that counts for that. That just counts for something for me, because when you're different, you made me remember you. In a way, you 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 struck a chord because a lot of wrestlers are not. Rememorable in a way. I mean, yeah, they do some flashy moves, but let's be honest. How many wrestlers now do flashy moves? Daphne was a character. She brought something new and she will be held uh, in a regard now because there's not a professional wrestler on this planet right now that has said anything mean about Daphne since this whole situation or even before them because wrestlers last year were coming out with a whole lot of nasty allegations about a being a nasty person. so for just for you to go in transition on this planet and not one person say uh nasty mean thing lets people know that you are a nice solid straight caring human being and you will be missed by uh professional wrestlers that you uh have interacted with and fans that you have interacted with so from my two cents podcast we want to say rest in peace to Daphne and please to anybody that is listening to this you are not alone you can email me. Uh, you can call up the Suicide Hotlines and just know that you are not alone. I love you all. You all, life is precious. Um, I don't know what else to say. I just want to say just please, please, please um, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody in your group. Talk to just, just, just Don't end your life. Just uh, talk to somebody that's close to you, a stranger, anybody, to just get this stuff off your chest or even write it in a journal. Listen to some music. Do something because you need to get these thoughts out of your head and you need to express it somehow. I'm not saying for you to drink to, like, drown your sorrows or anything. Don't do that because the only thing you're doing is just drowning it and it's going to pop back up later. But for you to get them out your system, meaning for you to write it or talk to somebody, if you need to talk to somebody i am here and the suicide hotlines are here as well but again my 2 cents podcast want to say uh farewell to daphne you will be missed by wrestling fans and wrestlers and people that are going through depression please speak up talk about it trust me uh people are people will be willing to hear what you have to say and trust me you might even be surprised to hear that you you're not alone going through this There's a lot of people that are going through depression and uh, people are just able to hide it better than a whole lot of people would notice. So, um, with that being said, I will now bring you guys over to Wrestling Highlights of the Week. But before I do that, I just want to say again, you are special. You are loved. There is light at the end of this tunnel. You don't need to transition on. Right now, you need to transition whenever the time is really right, a.k.a. meaning of old age or something of that nature, but you just taking your life, it doesn't need to happen because life is precious. And that's all I got to say. And with that, I'll throw it over to Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Hello, welcome back to another edition of Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2, I am G 2 I am here to give you the wrestling highlights for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact Wrestling, AEW Dynamite, and AEW Rampage. Also, before the end of this broadcast, I will be giving you my AEW uh, predictions for their pay-per-view this Sunday, All Out. But before I give you my predictions, let's get on with the show. We're going to start off with Monday Night Raw. Raw opens up. With a promo, an in ring promo from the United States champion Damian Priest. The main point of this promo is to basically for him to say that he's happy to be the United States champion and wants to show and pay respect to past United States champions. He starts naming Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, and even John Cena. He said he wants to bring honor and prestige back to the United States championship, while unlike the WWE champion Bobby Lashley, who was a coward. So he opens up the United States Open Challenge, and what that means is that anybody can come out and challenge Damian Priest for the United States Championship. And who comes out to answer? Sheamus. Sheamus comes out, and he agrees with Priest that Lashley is a coward. And he says that he's going to bro-kick the smile off of Damian Priest's face and take back the United States Championship. Once he gets done saying all this, Drew McIntyre comes out, and he makes his point that he wants to face Damian Priest instead of seeing another match of Sheamus going against Priest. Then out comes Bobby Lashley and MVP. MVP states that Bobby wants to hold an open challenge like Priest. However, Lashley has beaten the entire roster. So MVP states that Bobby Lashley wants to become a double champion, meaning he wants to beat Damian Priest to become not only the United States champion, but also still be the WWE champion. Then out comes RK Bro, both Riddle and Randy Orton. They throw their hats into the ring saying they want to be United States champion. But ultimately, just to fast forward this, we get two matches later on tonight. We get RK-Bro versus MVP and Lashley for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And we get a triple threat match for the United States Championship of Damian Priest versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Then Rhea Ripley comes out because it's time for our first match of the night. It's Rhea Ripley with Nikki Ash in her corner going against Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax in her corner. But before the match even begins Nia Jax gets on the mic and says that before the night is over she will splatter both Rhea Ripley and Nikki as well as beat Charlotte Flair tonight. Anyway fast forward towards the end of the match Shayna Baszler was dominating the match and Rhea was looking for encouragement from Nikki Ash and as she was looking for encouragement Nia Jax runs over and steamrolls Nikki and hits Nikki with a Samoan drop on the outside of the ring. This distracted Rhea, and Rhea got caught with a sneaky pin from Shayna Baszler, but Rhea was able to reverse the pin and get a pin on Baszler herself and get the win. So meaning, Rhea Ripley beat Shayna Baszler by pinfall. After the match, Nia Jax got into the ring and attacked Rhea Ripley and dropped her with a Samoan drop. Nia Jax stood tall at the end of this, and you saw Shayna Baszler sitting on the outside of the apron just looking really disappointed. This tells you that Nia Jax is going into the spotlight as Shayna Baszler being pushed to the outside and basically being looked at as an underling or even just a person in the well in the shadow of Nia Jax. And you can just tell that this is going to mess with Shayna in the future. Um after this, we get a match of the tag team match of the Viking Raiders, the returning Viking Raiders, going against Jinder Mahal and Veer. This is nothing really to talk about. The Viking Raiders hit the Viking experience on Jinder Mahal and got the win. After this, now it's time for the triple threat. United States title match of Drew McIntyre going against Damian Priest and Sheamus. This was a good triple threat match from all wrestlers. Um, You got hard hitting guys. You, start, you got all these guys hitting their power moves and everything. I mean, this is one of the matches I will say, if you haven't seen Monday Night Raw, I will say go and look at this match. This is definitely a match that I would recommend. It's a good triple threat match, especially from all three big men. But anyway, towards the end of the match, we had Priest set up Drew for the reckoning but he gets hit with the bro Kick. Then Drew hits Sheamus with the Future Shock DDT, and they wait a couple minutes later. You have Sheamus hitting the white noise off the second turnbuckle on Drew McIntyre. But ultimately, Priest was able to counter out of a tilt a uh power slam, but into the reckoning on Drew McIntyre, and he gets the win. After the match, Drew just gets in the ring, and he just stares at Damian Priest, and he's just so huffing and puffing because he lost, but in the end, he ends up Extending his hand out, and Priest shakes his hand, and you have Priest gaining the respect of Drew McIntyre in this match. After this, we get a video playing of Goldberg responding to Bobby Lashley. Goldberg says he needs surgery, but when he comes back, he isn't coming for the WWE Championship. He's coming from Lashley's soul, because Lashley hurt his boy at SummerSlam, and he talked about how his boy is a little bit sore and banged up, so now it's not about the WWE Championship, it's all about. Uh, taking Lashley and just beating him down and basically maiming him after this. We get another video, but this time is a video of Reggie at the park. And if you don't know, Reggie is Reggie is a 24 seven champion, meaning that the 24 seven championship has to be defended 24 seven. I mean, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Anyway, the whole main point of this video is that Reggie is walking around the park and you have Akira Tazawa and R-Truth in disguises, and they're trying to go after Reggie for the 24 seven championship. Again, this was another failed attempt. By both Akira and r Truth to get the twenty four seven championship, and Reggie is just basically uh, escapes Akira and r Truth. After this, we get another match, but this time is of Eva Marie going against Dewdrop. But Dewdrop attacks Eva Marie before the match begins, and she just flattens uh, Eva Marie. I mean, she just beats her up and runs and hits a splash on Eva, and it's bad that the referee has to tell the ring announcer that Eva Marie can't compete and that they had to uh let the audience know that Eva can't compete tonight, so the match got canceled. Uh Dewdrop ends up grabbing the microphone from the ring announcer. It says the winner of the match is Drop, basically to add insult to injury because Eva Marie will always do that after any type of match. Whether Dewdrop wins or loses, she will always say, and the winner of the match is Eva Marie. So it's, it's karma. After this, we get a backstage interview with the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. And the main point of this interview is that she isn't worried about Nia Jax because she's the greatest women's wrestler in history. That's it. After this, we get a match between Karrion Cross and Humberto Carrillo. Again, another squash match here. Uh, Karrion Cross hits the Doomsday suplex and transitions it over into the cross jacket and makes Humberto tap out. The only complaint that I have about this match is that it should have ended quicker. Just to showcase cross's dominance, I understand they're trying to rebuild cross from the bottom up and show him that he's a dominant uh competitor in the ring, but this match went uh longer than it was supposed to. I mean, you can let Humberto get a couple hits in, but Humberto shouldn't be taking cross over and like to a seven minute match, it shouldn't have happened. This match should have straight up been a strictly three minute match just to showcase that cross is dominant and that he's here on Monday Night Raw just to rebuild him back up after his horrendous, I mean, horrendous, disastrous Raw debut losing to Jeff Hardy while he was still the NXT champion. After this, we get a match of Nia Jax going against Charlotte Flair. Uh, Nia Jax ends up hitting a one power bomb and pins Charlotte Flair to get the win. Um, this match had its moments when these women would just strike each other hard. I mean, this match was really, really clunky. I mean, Women matches are sometimes clunky, and I get it. Some of the maneuvers don't come out right because they some of them don't have the right body frame to execute some of the ma- some of the moves that need to be executed. I get it. and That's fine. That's excusable. But it just this match just looked really clunky. Even Mick Foley had to tweet it out and say, what's up with this Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax match? And even at points in this match, you would just see those two just getting in each other's face. And I mean, just start laying in strikes hard. And me personally, I saw it. I was like, yo, they really laying in hits like that. But, I mean, it was really, really different, and I'm not sure what to think of it. But in the end, Nia Jax did get the win, and I mean, we're going to see what happens next week on Monday Night Raw. After this, we get a backstage promo from John Morrison. Main point of this, John Morrison was supposed to face the Miz, but he states that the Miz isn't here tonight, but he still wanted to wrestle, so he got a match, and his opponent is against Omos. Yeah, the big towering guy that's with AJ Styles. Yeah, that guy. After this we get a match John Morrison versus Omos. It's a real quick match. Omos shows off his dominance. He's still a little bit uh green in the whole idea of professional wrestling. He he can't move that well, but he's learning on the job. Omos ends up hitting a two-handed uh choke slam on Morrison and gets the win. I mean, this match was not really even a match. It was just a filler just to fill some time in on Monday night Raw. Immediately after this, Xavier Woods comes out and he's out here to face AJ Styles and they have their match. And this is a solid match between two guys that know how to work with each other. And the whole main point of this match is that AJ Styles works on the left leg of Xavier Woods throughout the whole match. He would uh, kick the leg, hit him in like a leg buster or some kind of maneuver. I mean, it was... It was all about focusing on Xavier Woods' leg, and it paid off in the end when AJ Styles was able to lock in the calf crusher on Woods and make Woods tap out. So, Xavier Woods tapped out to the calf crusher, and AJ Styles gets the win. Now it's time for the main event of Monday Night Raw, the Raw Tag Team Championship match of the defending champions, R.K. Bro, going against WWE champion Bobby Lashley and MVP. The interesting thing about this match was AJ Styles was on commentary and, A- and Omos was just hanging around AJ throughout the whole match because the main point of this was that AJ and Omos was looking at to see who was going to be the next Raw Tag Team Champions because they are still wanting their rematch for the Raw Tag Team titles. AJ even mentions on commentary how MVP was the weak link on his team because his right knee was bandaged up and wrapped up so made it uh easy target for Randy or even Riddle to go out and attack. But have no fear, Lashley was able to dominate for his team, but when MVP came in, he threw in some shots, but he would easily get picked off by either Orton or Riddle. Um, The end of the match comes when AJ Styles tells Omos to attack Orton, who's on the outside of the ring. And as Omos grabs Orton by the throat, Riddle is able to hit a baseball uh, slide on Omos, so that allows Randy to get away from Omos. AJ then tries to attack Orton, And Orton was able to counter that and hit a backdrop on Styles on the commentary table. The commentary table didn't break, so that's that. After this, you see Riddle hit a floating bro on MVP and gets the win off of MVP. Yet again, MVP was the weak link for his team, and it showed right here. As soon as the match got done and Riddle got up off of P, Lashley runs in and spears Riddle, and Lashley just... Stands up and starts flexing and he starts roaring and Lashley was going to do more damage to Riddle and he picks up Riddle to do more damage, but Lashley gets turned around by Orton and he eats an RKO to end the night. So at the end of the night, you have Lashley and MVP laid out on the ground in the ring. You have AJ Styles laid out on the outside. And you have Randy Orton and Riddle, still the Raw Tag Team Champions, standing on top of the WWE Champion and potentially their future challengers for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Now it's time for NXT. NXT opens up with a match between Saray going against Mandy Rose, who is accompanied by Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. This match was straight. I mean, you have Mandy being able to show off what she has learned from being on the main roster and you have Saray who's easily a, a clear, clear-cut uh, leader in the match. But in the end, Saray wins the match by count-out because drop kicks Mandy Rose directly in the face and Mandy falls out of the ring and she's hiding her face and Gigi Dolan tells J.C. to get a towel to cover Mandy's face. J.C. grabs a towel from the ring announcer and Mandy's face is all covered up and J.C. and Gigi start walking Mandy up the ramp and to the back while the referee's counting, and they get to 10, and Saray wins by countout. So Saray beats Mandy Rose by countout. After this, we get a match between Duke Hudson and Kyle O'Reilly. This match was simply a big man versus small man match. Kyle came into this match with a disadvantage because he already had a target on his ribs. Kyle's ribs were bandaged up, and every time Duke would attack the ribs, Kyle O'Reilly would drop down and just hold onto his ribs. That continued to happen until Kyle Riley started attacking Duke Hudson's leg because when you're a big man in professional wrestling, once you start getting hit in the legs, you start dropping down or you start walking with a limp. That lets people know that to drop, to drop down a big man, you got to take the legs out. And that's what Kyle O'Reilly started to do. He started to break down the big man. And in the end, that ended up working for Kyle because Kyle hits a top rope knee drop onto Duke Hudson's leg and was able to lock in the heel hook and make do cuts and tap out. So this adds one more into the win column of Kyler O'Reilly, and it makes him one step further, well, one step closer to targeting and basically getting an NXT title match against Samoa Joe. After this, we get an in-ring promo from the new NXT United Kingdom champion, Ilya Dragunov. Ilya made his way to the ring, and he still was limping, and he was still recovering from his epic battle that he had with Walter at TakeOver 36. Ilya tells the fans that he has to leave and go back to his home in the UK. And before he left, he wanted to let the people see that he is still alive. That gets the crowd cheering and chanting for Ilya, don't leave, don't leave. Ilya tells them, listen, I have to leave, but trust me, you're going to see me sooner than you expect. Ilya says that he has shown what it takes to be the NXT United Kingdom champion by having the passion, the will the soul, and even the struggle to topple somebody like the Ring General, Walter. He ends his promo by saying, the Ring General has fallen, and long live the Tsar. After this, we get a Kylie Ray interview, and her whole main point of the interview is that she is now over on the NXT American brand to showcase that why she is here, why she is the longest reigning NXT UK Women's Champion in modern-day history, how she has broken records. And she's basically here to inject new life into the NXT women's division. She calls Ember Moon old. She calls Raquel Gonzalez not dominant. She says that Dakota Kai couldn't even beat Raquel Gonzalez. She's basically here to show dominance and show why she was the best over in the NXT UK uh, women's division. So she's here to win and show her dominance. After this, we get a backstage interview from Carmelo Hayes. The main point of this interview is that he wants to keep everybody on their toes and list off the possibility of the titles that he can go after. He states that people think that he might go after Kushida to run back the match that he had whenever he first came on to NXT. He said he might even go after the North American title because Swerve just took a loss last week. Or even he might even go after the NXT championship because Samoa Joe is at the top of the list. As soon as he gets done listing off the title opportunities and the possibilities, Erica Lopez comes out and warns Carmelo Hayes that the NXT North American title is reserved for Santos Escobar. Carmelo tells her that he can go after any title he wants. And then you get the rest of Legado Del Fantasma popping up. You got Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde start mouthing off to Carmelo. But Santos walks up and has to cool them down. Santos tells him, hey, don't you know who this guy is? This is Carmelo Hayes. He's the NXT breakout champion. You guys got to show him some respect. Santos lets Carmelo know that, hey, he respects him for being the next breakout uh, wrestler in NXT. But he tells him, however, the NXT North American title has his name on it. So he's given Carmelo a one-time pass for mentioning the North American title so he can walk towards his future opportunities meaning go after different championships if you go after the north american title you'll have to go through me and trust me you're not going to be able to walk after you get through tangling with me and santos and the rest of legato walks away and carmelo looks at the interview and he says did he just threaten me so you can tell carmelo and santos are going to have a match somewhere down the line just off of that interaction alone now we go back to the ring and we have an in-ring competition of a tag team match of Imperium, which consists of Fabian Eigner and Marcel Bartel going against Drake Maverick and Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller is a new uh, guy to NXT. He's just feisty and energetic, and Drake Maverick trying to uh, calm him down, but Waller isn't trying to have any of it. And in the end, that costs him. When Drake has the match under control, Waller tags himself in, and Fabian Aigner straights runs up and hits a big boot right on Waller. And this allowed Marcel to run over and take Drake out of the ring and throw him into one of the steel towers. Now you have Imperium hit their tag team finish, which is a powerbomb uppercut on Waller and pin him to get the win. After this, we get a backstage promo between Pete Dunn, Rich Holland, Orny Lorcan, and Danny Burch. Danny Burch and Orny Lorcan's whole point is saying that they are still waiting for MSK to answer their challenge for an NXT tag team title shot after they never lost the NXT titles and they had to relinquish it. And Pete Dunne and Rich Holland let Tommaso Ciampa know that tonight he will be hanging with Thatcher in the hospital, recovering from his injuries as him and Thatcher will be talking about being bruised and battered by Rich Holland. After this, we get backstage footage of Gigi Dolan and JC Jane leaving Saray's locker room, and when the door opens, you see Saray on the floor in pain and agony, meaning that G- Gigi and JC beat up Saray, more than likely because she put a beating on Mandy uh, Rose and probably even bruised up Mandy's face in the match. That's probably what that means. After this, we get a match of Johnny Gargano with Index, which consists of Indy Hartwell and Dexter Lumis in his corner going against LA Knight. This match was great for two uh, top talents in NXT. Well, on the NXT roster, you got Johnny Gargano, who is a triple crown champion. And you got L.A. Knight, who hasn't even hit the ceiling or even come close to hitting the ceiling in NXT because he is charismatic and he's able to get it done in the ring. But in the end, Johnny was looking for the final beat, but Johnny gets punched in the face and Dexter Lumis catches Johnny before he hits the floor on the outside. And he ends up putting Johnny Gargano down after Johnny freaks out. And Johnny is berating Loomis, but then Loomis pushes Gargano out of the way because Ellie Knight was about to hit him in the back. And Ellie Knight has to stop because he's about to hit Dexter, and he just starts mouthing off at Dexter. Out of the uh, camera angles view, you see Johnny Gargano hit Ellie Knight with a super kick and throws Ellie Knight right back into the ring. As Johnny was about to finish off Knight, Andy yells out for Johnny to turn around and Johnny turns around. You see Loomis has his hand out for the high five that Johnny Gargano usually used to do with Austin theory, who Austin theory is no longer at least right now with the way he seems like he's uh took a walk right now. And Gargano slowly reaches out to do the high five with Loomis. But you see Johnny get pulled around by LA Knight and he gets hit with the BFT and Knight pins Johnny Gargano to get the win, and now after the match, you see Johnny Gargano just looking at Indy and telling Indy, I told you Dexter was trouble. He cost me the match, and you see Dexter just standing there still with a blank look on his face while is trying to tell Johnny that, no, 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 Dexter's a good guy. He didn't he didn't mean to do that. He means well, and that's the end of that match. Now we head backstage to a backstage segment of MSK going to Maria Regal's office, and... MSK knocks on Regal's door, Regal answers it, and MSK guts straight to the point. They say they want to give Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan their tag team title opportunity, and Regal makes it official. Next week on NXT, we will have a tag team title match of MSK going against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Now we go back to the ring, and it's Raquel Gonzalez going against Jesse Kamea with Frankie Monet and Robert Stone in her corner. Jesse was able to get some shots in on Raquel, but Raquel's power was too much for Jesse, and Raquel hits the Chicona bomb and pins Kamea for the win. After the match, Robert Stone comes in and checks on Kamea, while Frankie Monet stares down Raquel Gonzalez as Raquel's holding on the NXT Championship, well, Women's Championship and looking at Frankie Monet. I don't know whenever those two are going to uh, lock horns with each other, but... I'll be here waiting to see it because Frankie Monet is a good uh women's competitor. Matter of fact, a good, just solid uh wrestler, and the experience that Frankie Monet has, I think she'll be able to take Raquel Gonzalez at least to another level that Raquel hasn't hit yet. After this, we go backstage to an interview of Ember Moon, and the main point is this: that Ember wants to fight Kaylee Ray because of the comments that she made in her interview, and she challenges Kaylee Ray to a match next week, and it makes it official. And Rune will be going against Kaylee Ray in a match next week on NXT. Then we get another interview, and it's coming from the NXT champion, Samoa Joe. And the main point of his interview is that he wants to set a precedent for what it means to be a champion at NXT. He wants the NXT roster to step up and try to take the NXT title off of them. Joe is basically doing the same thing that Damian Priest is doing, but he's not issuing open challenges like that. He wants the NXT roster to be hungry. He wants them to get that fire and burning in their stomach because NXT was top promotion, at least in wrestling-wise. But now we all, as fans, can see NXT has started to lose some steam. So in so in Samoa Joe's mind, he wants to bring the roster and the brand back to uh, higher prestige than what it used to be. So that was the whole main point of Samoa Joe's interview. Now we go back to in-ring competition. It is. Roderick Strong with Diamond Mine in his corner going against Ikiman Jaro. Remember, last week Roderick Strong hadn't well issued an open challenge to anybody that were willing to wrestle him on this week's episode of NXT, and Ikiman Jaro accepted that uh challenge on the weekend on social media. Uh this match was a statement towards Kushida, cause Roderick Strong was just able to just beat down on Ikemen Jarl but Ikemen was able to hold his own, too. He was able to get some hits off from Roger Strong. He even hit an Arabian uh, moonsault on the inside of the ring on Strong. The main case being Ikemen Jarrell was able to hold his own with Roger Strong, but Roger Strong was able to use his veteran knowledge to beat Ikemen Jarl by throwing him uh back first into the ring steps with a hip toss into the ring steps, and then Roger Strong started just going to work on draw's lower back, and Ikimanjaro throughout the match would just hold on to his lower back, so it was an easy target for Roderick Strong to uh, capitalize on. And in the end, Strong hit two end of heartaches, which is basically a suplex that floats over into a double knee backbreaker on Ikimanjaro to get the win. And again, this this uh, whole match was just basically a statement towards Kashida because Kashida still owes Roderick Strong a cruiserweight title match whenever Kushida comes back. After this, we go backstage, and now it is Kaden Carter and Casey Catnazoro staring off against Io Shirai and Zoe Starks, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And we get informed that next week on NXT, the NXT Women Tag Team Champions will be defending their championships against Casey and Kaden. So next week on NXT, we have two tag title matches. It is MSK going against Danny Burch and Orny looking for the NXT tag team titles. And we have Eos Rai and Zoe Starks putting up their NXT Women's Tag Team Championships against Casey Katnazzaro and Kaden Carter. After this, we get a Cameron Grimes interview. The main point of this, Cameron Grimes says that Ted DiBiase taught him that there is only one million dollar man and that there is only one Cameron Grimes. But Cameron gets interrupted by grizzled young veterans. They mock Camera for getting a replica belt from Ted. They even bring out the replica million dollar championship. And they start saying that Cameron Grimes next week might be the NXT champion or even the universal champion. By coming out and wearing a replica title, Cameron Grimes laughs at the jokes. And he ends up grabbing the belt from the Grizzly Young Veterans. And he says, this belt's heavier than the belt that Ted gave me. Huh, and even looks nicer. And he drops it. And then you hear a sound effect like a heavy and the landing on a foot, and the foot is uh, Zach Gibson of the Grizzly Young Veterans, and Gibson is holding his toe while his partner is holding him, and he just screaming out his toe, his toe, and Cram and Grimes just walks away. Now it's time for an NXT main event. Rich Holland coming out with Pete Dunne, Oni Lorchid, and Danny Burch in his corner going against Tommaso Ciampa. Every time when Tommaso Ciampa would get control of the match only Lorcan and Danny Burch would interfere by doing something to get Tommaso Champa's attention away from Holland. but whenever those two whenever Holland and Ciampa would just get towards one another you just saw those two bring a lot of intensity towards each other with Ciampa with the striking to Holland and Holland with his power uh strikes and power maneuvers to Tommaso Ciampa it was a solid NXT uh main event but in the end Tommaso Ciampa was able to hit the Willow's Bell after uh, hitting and landing multiple knees to Holland's uh, head as he hits the uh, Willow's Bell, which is basically a draping DDT, like a quick draping DDT, and then gets the pin on Holland, and Tommaso Ciampa wins the match. After the match, immediately Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch gets in and starts attacking Tommaso Champa. Well, they start attacking him until MSK comes out to make the save. MSK takes out Danny Birch and Orny Lorcan on the outside of the ring. And once MSK gets inside of the ring, Pete Dunn and Rich Holland starts rolling out of the ring. And then they meet with Lorcan and Birch on the outside. And they start walking up the ramp. So the last image that you see on NXT was Danny Birch, Orny Lorcan... Pete Dunn and Rich Holland standing on the NXT stage staring at MSK and Tommaso Ciampa. So you can see a stare. You see the stare down between the three men and the four men on the stage. So this tells you that somewhere down the line, we're going to get these three guys and more or less probably Samoa Joe because Samoa Joe is going to be in a little situation with Pete Dunn going against those four guys. And that's the end of NXT. Now it's time for AEW. AEW starts off with a match from FTR and Proud and Powerful. Uh, This was basically a rematch and basically a follow through from their match at Fight for the Fallen where the match ended really abruptly whenever uh, Cash Wheeler's arm got split open by one of the hooks on the top turnbuckle whenever he was supposed to perform a splash. But um, yeah, they just basically ran this match back and I can say that this match was all right. I mean, there was a couple of hiccups during the match, but I mean, it was a straight solid match for these two teams. I mean, each team can do better. So I'm thinking that this is just a little ring rust on both sides um, because they haven't because co- both teams haven't competed since Fight for the Fallen. But I'm pretty sure that the next time these two will have a match against one another, it'll be way more better than this one. But this one was still a solid, solid uh, tag match between these two teams. Also, FTR did pay tribute to Bobby Eaton with their ring gear uh, this week in the match. Uh, Jim Ross spotted that out, and I kind of figured that out whenever I saw them come out with the whole... Uh, I believe it was yellow, purple, red like stripes on their uh, tights. And like I said, FTR is an old throwback tag team. They like to pay tribute to a lot of um, tag teams that paved the way for them, especially Southern tag teams. So... Just paying tribute to Bobby Eaton was right up their alley. But anyway, the story of the match was basically Cash Wheeler. He's coming back from getting his right arm uh, split open, and you could tell that they were working working um, with Cash in this whole match because you see Cash constantly messing with the arm because you start seeing him like look at the arm and like every time he would hit a move, he always had to adjust the little uh, arm protector on his arm. He will always like mess with it. He always like make sure it stayed up and everything else. And towards the end of the match, when FTR had the match won, when Dax hit a superplex off the top rope and Cash was supposed to go on the top rope, but hit a splash there, uh, a move that they took from uh, Power and Glory. Like I said, Dax and Cash are a team that I like to pay tribute to old uh, tag teams of the 80s and 90s. Cash went to the top rope and he looked at the hook. He looked at the uh, hook, and he just startled right there. Nobody on commentary picked it up or anything, but if you were watching at home, you could kind of tell what they were doing in the match. And he looked at it, and then he just had a hesitate, and then he had to realize that he was still in the match, and then he jumped off to try to jump onto uh, Santana, but he ended up missing the splash, and that hesitation cost FTR uh, the match whenever he missed the splash, and Proud and Powerful were able to hit a row of combination of moves with Santana was able to hit a rolling cutter. Then Ortiz was able to hit a second rope, well, a jumping code breaker onto Cash Wheeler. And then Santana was able to hit him with a super kick. And then finally, they hit a double team inverted uh, flapjack onto Cash to get the win. Well, basically pin him to get the win. So now FTR has won and Proud and Powerful has one thanks to this match. So now they're due for a rubber match. And I guarantee you that third Roman match will be better than their well first and second match because the first one obviously a botch and then this one it was straight it was still a straight solid tag match but I guarantee you the third one will be better. After this, we get a backstage promo from 2.0 and Danny Garcia, well Daniel Garcia, and the main point of this promo is that Daniel Garcia is going to hurt Darby Allen at Rampage and hurt Darby Allen so much that he won't be able to make it. To all out because the whole world is watching Darby Allen right now. Thanks to him having a match with CM Punk at All Out, and the whole world is waiting to see if CM Punk still does he have any ring rust from not being in the ring for seven years, or does he, or is he able to overcome this new up young up young coming uh, superstar like um, Darby Allen, who's willing to put his body on the line and be. Uh, basically a punching bag to any superstar on the roster and just basically continuously to take punishment and uh, keep getting up. So that's what Dayo Garcia in 2.0 wants to do. They want to take this match away from the fans and bring all that spotlight onto them. That was the whole main point of this backstage promo. And speaking of CM Punk, it's now time for uh CM Punk in-ring promo. CM Punk mentions how he hasn't wrestled in seven years and feel like this can all come to an end This Sunday at All Out because, again, he hasn't wrestled for seven years. He doesn't know if he has ring rust. He doesn't know if he can still keep up in the ring with these new uh, hotshot young coming guys. So this will be his true test. And as soon as he says uh, this can all end this Sunday, he gets attacked by no other than 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. They put the boots and starts brawling and beating down on CM Punk until Darby Allin and Sting come to make the save. They were able to hold their own against 2.0 and Deo Garcia. And now you have each member of Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting hitting their signature move onto a member of uh, the op- opposition team of 2.0 and Dayo Garcia. You have CM Punk hitting a GTS Darby Allen with a coffin drop. And now you have Sting hitting a Scorpion death drop onto s- somebody from 2.0. I mean, each member of 2.0 and also Diego Garcia got hit with a signature move and then they get rolled out of the ring and now you have Sting, Darby Allen, and Punk just standing in the ring and Darby and Punk get straight nose to nose, face to face and Sting grabs a mic and he announces that at All Out he won't accompany Darby Allen whenever he faces CM Punk and he announces that he's going to come out fist bump Darby Allen and then walk directly to the back and allow these two men just to get it on in the ring at All Out. And after Sting announces this, Darby and Punk get right back in each other's face. And now you are left with Punk and Allen just in each other's faces. And that's the only way they're hyping it up for this last uh, AEW Dynamite for the pay-per-view of All Out. Next, you have a backstage interview of Tony Schiavone interviewing MGF, And instead of me telling you what MGF said, I'm just going to let the audio play for itself so without further ado here's mgf talking about
1: chris jericho cowboy chris corazon de leon lionheart the man of a thousand and four holds the sexy beast the ayatollah of rock and roll the best in the world at what you do the goat the pain maker the champion the demo god chris jericho four decades four four thank you Uh, please of consistently evolving in order to stay on top of the mountain in professional wrestling, being universally known as the greatest of all time. Your career is absolutely unparalleled, Christopher, and whether I, your greatest critic, cares to admit it or not, you will be forever etched in the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. But don't get it twisted, buddy. By the time my career is all said and done, I'll be taking your place. And I know wrestling fans are going to take a long time to get used to that. Hell, I might as well be pro wrestling stepdad because I have your shoes to fill, Christopher, and that's no easy feat. However, Muhammad Ali was once considered the greatest boxer in the world. Thought he was the greatest boxer about one or two times too many because he kept coming back for that spotlight. He turned his brains into scrambled eggs and his body into a shell of what it once was. Look in the mirror, Jericho. After everything I've put you through, You're Ali. Your knees are shaking, your back is achy, takes you five hours to go to sleep at night, and a whole lot longer to get out of bed in the morning. You're on a downward spiral, man. But, just like Ali, you're an addict. You need the spotlight. You crave it. The warmth beating of that spotlight is oh too intoxicating for you to stay away. And I've taken that away from you three times, Chris. And when a man like you loses that spotlight, you're willing to do just about anything to get it back. That's why you've put your career on the line, Chris. And that's why on September 5th, at All Out, I'm going to have the distinct honor and privilege of ending one of the greatest runs in the history of professional wrestling. It is oh so poetic. That the same yearning of the spotlight that got you to the dance will be the same reason why your music
0: dies. After this, we now get back to in-ring competition. Now it's time for Orange Cassidy to go against Jack Evans. Before the match even starts, Matt Hardy attacks Orange Cassidy for busting up his nose. Uh, busting up Matt Hardy's nose last week on AEW. And the referee for the match, Bryce Rinsberg, has to separate Matt Hardy from Orange Cassidy and interject and injects Matt from the match from before it even begins. So, meaning that Matt Hardy has to go backstage and he can't be in the corner of Jack Evans in this match. Ultimately, the match starts, and I mean it was a fun match between Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans, but ultimately Orange beats Jack Evans by getting him with a small package. During commercial break, so whenever they come back from commercial and you hear Orange Cassidy music plays, they have to replay the finishing uh, maneuver that Orange Cassidy did to pin Jack Evans. And now you see Matt Hardy come rushing down to the ring and start attacking Orange Cassidy. So now you have Matt Hardy and Jack Evans starts beating up on Cassidy. Then you get Wheeler Yuta and Chuck Taylor coming down to make the save for Orange Cassidy. Now, You have Wheeler Yuta and Chuck Taylor in the ring, staring off with Jack Evans and Matt Hardy. And now you have the whole Hardy family uh, organization that consists of Angelico, the Bunny, the Blade, and Private Party come down to the ring to make the save. And now they're putting the boots to Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta. And now it just seems like the HFO is just going to just beat down Cassidy all by himself now because they now eliminated the uh, Wheelie Utah and Chuck Taylor out of the ring but Jurassic Express comes down to make the save and now you have the whole Hardy family organization leave the ring and now you have Jurassic Express, Chuck Taylor, Wheelie Utah and Orange Cassidy just in the ring as they're looking at the HFO walk up the ramp. After this a video is played of the rivalry between Eddie Kingston and Miro. The whole main point of this video packages that Eddie lets Miro know that he's aiming for Miro's neck because that's Miro's kryptonite. Miro can't handle a DDT so if Eddie just attacks Miro at the neck he'll be able to take away the TNT title away from Miro at All Out but Miro tells Eddie Kingston that he's going to make Kingston pay at All Out and that nobody's going to be able to take away the TNT title away from him. That's all the video was basically for. After this we get another hype video of Moxley talking about his opponent at All Out, Kojima. And he plans on just beating Kojima. That's all the whole main point of hype package for this. Now we get back to an in-ring interview with Jim Ross and his guest at the time, Chris Jericho. Jim Ross gets straight to the point and he asks Chris Jericho, why did he put the stipulation on his match with MJF? The stipulation meaning that if Jericho can't beat MJF, he has to retire from wrestling Competition at AEW. Jericho goes on a whole spiel of saying that he needs to beat MJF to be able to not be complacent. Jericho was able to list the three times he lost to MJF and he mentions how he doesn't want to be complacent. Jericho already knows he's the GOAT, he knows he's the greatest of all time, but he's not ready to leave wrestling and that he needs to beat MJF to prove to himself that he still can go in the ring. Jericho says that MGF needs to be the best version of himself to beat Jericho because Jericho has placed so much so much pressure on himself that MGF needs to be at his top A game. Because when Jericho's at his top A game because of all this pressure, MGF won't be able to beat him. MGF doesn't have the guts to beat him. MGF's going to have to squeeze the last breath out of Jericho to beat him at All Out, but Jericho states that MGF doesn't have that in him to do it. So Jericho ultimately says that MGF isn't going to beat him at All Out and that he's not going to stop wrestling at AEW. Jericho is nervous whenever he says this. He's full of passion and rage, but you can still get a glimpse that Jericho doesn't believe what he says. He just has this as a whole facade Because he mentioned also that he has a whole lot of ego. So this falls in line with ego. Jericho doesn't believe this. Jericho has to say this to get himself in the right mindset for All Out. Because if he does lose, he'll have to stop wrestling in AEW and just commentate. And Jericho isn't ready for it. So we'll have to see what happens at All Out. After this, we get in-ring competition of Will Hobbs with Hook going against Brian Cage. But before the match even begins, as Hobbs was making his way down the ring, Brian Cage attacks him from behind. Now you have Brian Cage and Will Hobbs brawling outside the ring for a little bit before Cage throws Hobbs in the ring to get the match start, started. Uh, this was a nice little pat-pat-pat match for the two big men. I mean, they were able to do some power moves and able to strike each other. But, I mean, it was a nice little solid match. Will Hobbs is still a little bit... uh. He still needs a little bit more seasoning on himself, but he is going to come with um, more time and camera focus and everything else. Cage, he's still a big man. He's able to hit power moves, but he needs like somebody of a smaller size, to like really, really have a great match. I mean, him and another big, big man. I don't see that really working that well, but I'm just saying this match was straight. Um, The end of uh, ending of the match happens whenever, uh, Cage was looking for a drill claw, and Hook gets on the apron to distract the referee. Will Hobbs escapes the hold and shoves Cage into the ropes. But as Cage is running into the ropes, Ricky Starks jumps in and hits Cage with the FTW Championship. And this allows Hobbs to grab Cage up and hit Risky Business on Brian Cage. Risky Business is basically an Emerald fusion onto Brian Cage and gets the win. After this, we get a Malachi Black video, and the whole main point of the Malachi Black video is that Black lets Shoddy Lee Johnson know that he will have no mercy on him when he faces him on AEW Rampage this Friday. And unlike Cody, Arn, and Brock, he gave them a swift, merciful beating, basically meaning he beat him up as fast as he could and put them down as mercifully as with so much mercy as he can. But with Shoddy Lee Johnson, it's not going to be that case. He's going to hurt Shoddy Lee, and he's going to make sure that Shoddy Lee remembers this beating for a lifetime. After this, we go back to in ring. And now we have QT Marshall in the factory in the ring. QT calls out Paul White to face him man to man. Paul White comes down to the ring and he ends up getting attacked by the factory. Paul knew this was going to happen, but Paul was able to fend off the factory. He was able to manhandle every member of the factory. Nick Camarado, Aaron Solo, and even like three unknown uh, guys that were just wearing the factory T-shirts. He even scared off QT Marshall to get out of the ring as, well, his lackeys were trying to take down Paul White, but failed to do so. Once Paul was able to take care of the factory, then you have the gun club coming out. Billy Gunn and his two sons, Colton Gunn and Austin Gunn, go into the ring. And now they're just in the background trying to make sure that nobody else is going to try to come in and attack Paul White as Paul is just staring down with QT Marshall. Now you see QT go and grab the grab a steel chair from uh, the ring announcers, and he tries to get into the ring, but you see Billy Gunn rush over to uh, QT and grab the chair from him and push him down off the apron now you see QT Marshall rock up the ramp and he just stands there and looks at Paul White as Paul is just in a position and just waving his hands in for QT to try to come back into the ring and now you have Austin Gunn Billy Gunn and Colton Gunn just still in the background uh just watching just to make sure nobody's gonna try to run into the ring but then the camera focuses back onto Paul in the ring and you see Billy Gunn holding the chair and then he swings it and hits Paul right in the hip his surgically repaired hip might i add and Paul falls to the ground and now you see Paul just clutching at his hip and he's yelling in pain and agony and Billy Gunn grabs the ch- chair again and then he just hits uh Paul right in the head and he walks out of the ring with the chair and his two sons are walking with him and they bypass QT, who's on the interest ramp again, is looking at this and he's so shocked by all this uh, transpiring that he runs back into the ring. He tries to call all his members of the factory back in to hold up Paul. And now as the factory's holding up Paul, you see QT Marshall hold up the diamond uh, cutter sign and he hits the diamond cutter on Paul White. And that's the end of that segment. So we don't know if Paul White's going to be able to make it to All Out to face QT Marshall. We'll just have to see it all out. We go to a backstage interview of Bray Baker and Tony Schiavone. She announces that Rebel and Jamie Hader will be in the Casino Battle royal, Female Casino Battle Royale. And that the winner will get a number one uh, women's championship opportunity against her. And she announces that if Jamie or Rebel. And then she goes back to saying, well, if Jamie wins. It won't be no competition because Jamie's going to lay down because Jamie's her friend. She also announces that a free agent has signed with AEW for a long-term contract. And we all, I'm not going to say we all because I kind of knew that that wasn't happening. But people were already thinking that it probably might be Adam Cole. Because Adam Cole uh, rumored and it has been reported that he hasn't signed with nobody yet. He's fielding out uh, contracts from everybody. So she announced that the big free agent that has re-signed with AEW is her. She's re-signed with the company, and Tony uh, Khan has given her an opportunity to make a match of any kind of what she wants, and Britt's name's a handicap match for Chris Statlander to go against Rebel and Jamie Hayter on this week's episode of Rampage to soften her up for her match against Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship at All Out. That's all this whole thing was for. After this, we go back to the ring. Now it's time for another in-ring competition of Penelope Ford with the bunny in her corner going against Ty Conti. Ty Conti gets the win when the referee was checking on Penelope Ford and Ty was running off the ropes and Bunny grabbed Ty by the foot. Ty then grabs the bunny by the hair and brings her up onto the apron and Penelope Ford runs towards Ty but Ty was able to step out of the way and you see Penelope about to collide with the bunny but Ty pushes Penelope into the bunny, and then you see the bunny fall off the apron, and then you see Ty grab Ford for a roll up, and she's able to get the win off of that. So Ty Conti gets the win from a roll up and pins Penelope forward. After the match, the bunny and Penelope attacked uh, Ty Conti until Anna Jay comes back to make the save for her best friend. Uh, Anna Jay has been out for a good portion of this year, I believe, because of some with her shoulder. Uh, I believe, but anyway, she's now back and she saved her best friend, and now it has been reported that she herself have been has been included into the female uh casino battle royale for the winner uh to go against the AEW women's champion. Uh, we go backstage now. And now we have an interview with Thunder Rosa. In this interview, Thunder Rosa gets told that she is now entered into the female casino battle royale and as soon as Rosa was about to say anything she's interrupted by both Nyla Rose and Jade Cargill. Rosa knows she's about to get attacked so she starts taking off her earring and she says I know where this is ending up but before I go down I'm at least going to go down with a fight and she hits Nyla Rose to start off so then you have Nyla and Rosa just attacking each other then you see Jade step in to help Nyla Rose beat down on Thunder Rosa and they were able to beat down on Rosa and now you have Jay Cargill and now the Rose just staring off. Well, not staring off, but having to stare down between each other. And now you have Mark Sterling who represents Jay Cargill step in between the two women and tell them, Hey, not now. There's a lot of money to make on Sunday. So why don't you two ladies wait until Sunday and you guys will take care of it then. And that's the end of that segment. And now it's time for the main event of AEW is good. Eight, Man uh tag team match of the elite, which consists of the AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, and Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, going against Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy, and the Lucha Bros, Penta and Phoenix. This match was a great. This was a great main event. I'm not going to try to hold you. Uh, it had super kicks. It had Magic Killer. It had a springboard double cutters. And so much more. I mean, even at one point you had uh, the Good Brothers and like Matt Jackson and Brandon Cutler on the outside. And you had Luchasaurus holding Nick Jackson on like the top uh, ropes and the chokehold. And then he just pushes them off. And Nick was able to hit a moonsault onto his uh, tag partners. And I mean, just that that one maneuver right there was just awesome. I mean, you're going to see. The Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks do some incredible things this Sunday in the steel cage for the AEW tag team title, mat, title match. I guarantee you, because they always have a banger whenever it comes down to these two, and I'm surprised the AEW don't uh, have don't allow the Lucha Brothers to really just like go balls to the walls crazy whenever they're given the opportunity, especially in like, solid tag team matches, even though uh, AEW kind of restricts them a little bit, but I'm knowing that this pay-per-view... They're going to allow the Luther Brothers to throw throw everything against the wall. And I know the Young Bucks are going to do the exact same thing. So I can't wait to see that uh, steel cage match at all out. But anyway, in the end, uh Phoenix goes for a springboard crossbody onto the Bucks. However, the Bucks catches Phoenix and transition it into the Melsa driver, and they hit the Melsa driver on Phoenix and they get the win. So then so now you have the elite which consists of the Young books and the Good Brothers beating Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers. After the match, though, Kenny Omega comes down to the ring, and now you have the entire Elite beating down Lucha Brothers and Jurassic Express. You have the Good Brothers put Luchasaurus through a table on the outside with the Magic Killer. Now you have Christian Cage trying to come down to see if he can do anything, and he spears Kenny Omega off the rip. But that's the only offense that Christian Cage will be able to get, at this whole juncture, because as soon as he gets done hitting uh, Omega with the spear every member of the elite starts attacking him. And I mean, he is beat down by every member of the elite, except for brandy color, because brandy color at this time is now trying to gather Kindlesticks from under the ring. And he does this and he hands off a Kindlestick to each member of the elite. And now you have Kenny Omega on the mic and he tells Don Callis to lower the steel cage. Because above the ring was a steel cage to give people the idea of what type of steel cage and to give the people an idea of what the steel cage will look like at All Out. And they get a real close up of it because the steel cage starts lowering and inside the ring still at this time was now you have the elite all with Kindlesticks Sticks beating up on Christian Cage and the Lucha Brothers and the Jurassic Express team were on the outside of the ring. And as the cage is lowering and lowering and it lowers to the exact spot that it needs to drop. Inside the cage is the Elite and Christian Cage and the Lucha Brothers. And this gives you the picture of the champions, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks looking at their challengers, Christian Cage and the Lucha Brothers at all out. And it just gives you the exact picture of the challengers being laid out by the champions at one point. You have the Lucha Brothers handcuffed to uh, the ropes and you just have Nick Jackson just going on a fury of superkicking both Penta and Phoenix one after the other. And he just superkicks Penta then he runs over to the other side of the cage and superkicks Phoenix, and he does it again. He goes back to Penta, then back to Phoenix, then back to Penta, then back to Phoenix. And he does it so much that Kenny Omega has to tell Nick, hey, hey, hey relax, buddy, relax. It's okay. And then he tells Nick and Matt to pick up Christian and they hit a triple BTE trigger onto Christian, and the final shot that you see is the elite standing tall as their opponents for the pay per view lying on the mat. And I don't know what to tell you. I like the ending. I liked the bad guys who were at the, uh, standing top, standing on top of their uh, challengers. That just gives you more uh, insight as a viewer, just to want to see the bad guys get their butt kick at the pay per view. And they did a good job on this, and that's how you in AEW Dynamite for this week with the champions standing on top as their challengers are laying underneath them. Now it's time for Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling starts with a six-person match. Jordan Grace, Taylor Wilde, and Rachel Ellering going against The Influence, which consists of Teneal Dashwood, Madison Rain, and Caleb with a K. Uh, Taylor Wilde hits a bridging German suplex on Caleb to get the win. It was a fun opening match, Nothing uh noteworthy of uh mentioning in this match. I mean, it was a straight solid uh six person match. Now Impact Wrestling plays a video recap of Deanna Parazzo successfully defending her Knockouts Championship against Molina at NWA Power, and then after they show that, you get a Mickey James uh being attacked by Deanna Parazzo after her match at NWA seventy three. And it just leaves you with the idea Deonna Perrazzo and Mickey James are going to clash somewhere down the line later. That's all this video was there for. After this, we get a backstage interview with Deonna Purrazzo and Matthew Raywalt. And the main point of the interview is that Deonna proved Mickey James wrong when Mickey thought she couldn't beat Molina without Matt's help. But she did that at NWA Power. And Matt Raywalt lets Trey Miguel know that he has Matt's attention, full attention now. They finish the interview by saying that they always keep their promise and don't ever cross the king and queen. After this, we get another backstage promo from Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer says he has a feeling of deja vu because he remember being in a triple threat match with Christian at one point in his career. And the triple threat match that he's talking about is whenever he faced Jack Swagger and Christian to become the ECW champion. Christian interrupts and says, yeah, you won the ECW championship that night, but you didn't beat me in the match. Christian and Tommy have a little playful banter between each other, but Christian ultimately says at the end, he says he'll be watching his match against Ace Austin tonight, and he hopes Tommy Dreamer wins so he can have that triple threat match again with Tommy. And Tommy lets Christian know that he wants to do this all by himself tonight. He doesn't need uh, Christian's help. So what that means is he doesn't want Christian to come out in the match during the match, before the match, because he doesn't want no help, no matter what, he wants to win this match all by himself. So whenever he faces Christian again in the triple threat match, nobody can say that you had Christian's help. After this, we go to in-ring competition of Decay, which consists of Crazy Steve and Black Tarus, who comes down to the ring with Rosemary and Havoc, going against the team of Blah and No Way. But before the match begins, No Jose and Fallible were making their way down the ring during the entrance, and they have a conga line with them, and there's a particular member of the conga line who was wearing a horse mask, and she gets in the ring and hits a code breaker on Rosemary. The conga line member unmasks herself, and it turns out to be Tasha Steeles. Tasha Steeles then looks at Havoc and goats her to follow her up the ramp. Havoc gives chase, and when she gets on the entrance stage, she gets attacked by Savannah Evans. And now you have Havoc laid out and Rosemary getting out of the ring to walk up to Havoc. And then you have Savannah Evans and uh, Tasha Steeles run out. And now you have Havoc and Rosemary chasing after those two. And now it's down to Crazy Steve and Black Tarus going against Falabaugh and No Way Jose. Well, No Way, as it was. Um, During the match, Falabaugh and No Way gets booed by the fans because they feel that Falabaugh set up uh, decayed to get ambushed like that. So they turn on that team and every time they would get the advantage, they would constantly get booed by the fans. And in the end, Falaba threw crazy Steve into the turnbuckles and was looking to hit a splash on Steve, but Steve got his foot up, but Falaba caught Steve's foot and dropped it. And this allows Steve to start biting Falaba on the forehead. And as soon as he got done biting Fallaba on the forehead, Fallaba was holding his forehead to make sure no skin or nothing got peeled off his forehead or he was bleeding. But this allowed Crazy Steve to go to the second rope and hit a jumping DDT onto Fallaba and covers him to get the win. So Decay wins over the team of Fallaba in no way. After this, we go to a backstage interview with W. Morrissey. W. Morrissey lets Sammy know that he made a big mistake stepping his nose into W. Morrissey and Eddie Edwards' business. He says he has a little bit of respect for Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan, just a teeny tiny little bit, because they admit to hating each other and not liking each other, unlike the rest of the boys in the back, which always say that they're trying to help each other out, and they're just trying to improve the business. W. Morrissey's on a crusade to let everybody know that they are liars and that this whole wrestling business is nothing but a monster that just corrupts you, and nobody's here to help you. They're all trying to stab you in the back, but he gets interrupted by Moose. And Moose says, I have agreed with everything that you've said since stepping into this company. We're all not trying to be here to be friends, unlike what everybody else is trying to say. If you give me the opportunity to stab you in the back, I'll stab you in the back. But I'm not here to look for a partnership. I'm here to look for an alliance. He says all this to Morrissey because Morrissey has now a problem with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. And Moose now has a problem with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan because Eddie Edwards, if you remember, Stop Moose from bashing in Sammy's head in with a bat last week. So Moose is trying to look for an alliance with W. Morrissey to take out both Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. Now we go to in-ring promo, and the Moose comes down, and Moose starts off by basically saying that he's upset that Eddie Edwards saved Sammy Callahan from the beating that he was giving him, and Moose ultimately calls Eddie Edwards down to fight in the ring, and Eddie Edwards comes out with the Kindle stick, he gets in the ring, and he tries to hit Moose in the ribs with the Kindlestick, stick, but Moose catches the strike and catches the Kindlestick. stick. Eddie Edwards sees this, and then he takes down Moose, and they just start brawling with each other. Ultimately, Eddie Edwards gets the better of Moose, and he picks up the Kindlestick stick and starts kneeling Moose in the stomach and then in the shoulders. He ends up breaking the Kindlestick stick, and then W. Morrissey comes down to the ring and attacks Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards is now getting double teamed by both. Morrissey and Moose, he gets hit with a spear by Moose and he gets hit with a big boot by W. Morrissey. And then finally, at the end, he gets hit with an assisted powerbomb from both men. And now you have Moose and W. Morrissey standing tall or over Eddie Edwards' body to end this segment. We head backstage and follow Ba and No Way are walking backstage and they get stopped by an interviewer and they get asked, Point blank, did they know about Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans were going to attack Rosemary and it? They say no, and no way even cuts in and says that he doesn't even know who's going to join his conga line because anybody can join the conga line because it's nothing but a party experience. TJP interrupts and says, anybody can join the conga line, huh? And TJP and Falabao have words with each other because TJP was tag taddy partner for a good bit, but since he's been off of Impact Wrestling, Falba had to need another tag partner, and No Way has been there. So ultimately, in the end, Falba, TJP, and No Way become friends, and they become cool. And now they're going off to Johnny Swinger's casino. After this, we go now back to in-ring competition. Now it's time for the X Division Championship Open Challenge. Josh Alexander comes down to the ring, and now he's in the ring for a solid minute, and he's just waiting to see who come out and. Outcomes former X-Division champion, Jake Christ. It was a nice surprise to see Jake back in uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, I thought it was going to be Amazing Red because when I think of X-Division championships, or people that are associated with the X-Division championship, I think of people like a low-key, Amazing Red, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels. Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are with WWE, so they're never coming back to Impact, at least at this one particular moment because they're on the contract. Uh, Christopher Daniels, he could have made a return back to uh, Impact Wrestling, but I'm not sure if he wants to wrestle again because he still might be dealing with something. Uh, I thought Amazing Red might be coming back because he's been doing some independent stuff, what 2019 and I believe even early 2020, maybe. But he's always been in good in ring shape, and Impact Wrestling likes to bring back uh, old uh, legendary wrestlers of TNA's fame and glory and Amazing Red is part of that, and to be one of the best of the X-Division wrestlers of all time, that was Amazing Red, and he is a former X-Division champion. I just would have thought it would have been Amazing Red, but nevertheless, it wasn't Red. It was Jake christ It was still a solid match, though. In the end, Josh hits a C4 spike, a.k.a. the J-Driller, to get the win over J-Christ, and as soon as the match is over, Josh gets interviewed, and he gets asked why is he having an open challenge against an unknown opponent? He says it's for him, his legacy, and for Impact Wrestling. Josh wants to go down as one of the greatest X Division champions of all time. And as soon as he gets done making that statement, out comes Chris Sabin. Chris Saban compliments Josh Alexander for being a great X Division champion, but he has to let him know that he's only held the X Division championship for one reign. While Chris, on the other hand, has held the X Division championship for eight times. Chris then challenged Josh Alexander to a match at Victory Road for the X-Division Championship. Chris Sabin states that he wants this match because he wants to be the first ever nine-time X-Division Champion. And then, without a shadow of a doubt, he will be going down as the greatest X-Division wrestler and X-Division Champion of all time. He then extends his hand out and Josh looks at Chris and then he just shakes the hand so the match is official at Victory Road we will get Josh Alexander defending the Division Championship against Chris Saban. After this, we get a backstage segment of Brian Myers and Sam Bill looking at some guys, some wrestlers, to see who's going to be a part of this little group that Brian Myers and Sam Bill are trying to create for Brian Myers to tutor. They start out with seven guys, but in the end, they end up with two guys, a guy named Zicky Dice and a guy named Manny Lemons. Myers tells the two that he'll see them both next week. After this, we go back to in ring competition of Rohit Raju and Shira going against the team of Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. The story of the match is Shira can't hit Chelsea Green because he has too much respect for a woman, but Rohit doesn't care about this. He will hit Chelsea Green in a heartbeat. Uh, Rohit in the match doesn't take Chelsea's serious. At one point, he drops her down by slamming her down and just starts mocking her. And then she ends up doing it right back to him. And this infuriates Rohit to the point that he is about to hit a -a tilt-a-wheel slam on Chelsea, but Chelsea was able to counter that out and hit her in a corona. And then Rohit gets up and then he gets hit with a slap in the face by Chelsea. In the end, though, uh Shearer comes into the ring. He is about to run over and attack Matt Cardona, but Chelsea Green stands in between the two, and Chelsea just starts berating Shira, saying, I will hit you. Why don't you try to do why don't you try that with me? And Shira isn't trying to hit it. He ends up picking up Chelsea Green, move her to the opposite side of him, and he tells her to stay there. But as soon as he turns around, Matt Cardona comes into the ring and hits him with the Radio Silence, formerly known as the Rough Rider. And this allows Rohit to grab Matt Cardona and throw him into the ring post, shoulder first. And now inside the ring is nothing but Chelsea Green and Rohit Raju. And Chelsea runs off the ropes and Rohit hits a jumping high knee on Chelsea and knocks her out. And he pins Chelsea to get the win. So now you have Rohit Raju and Shira beating the team of Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. And you have Matt looking at Chelsea, and he just looks at Rohit with so much anger that he did this to his fiance, but Rohit got, did what he had to do to get the win for his team. After this, we get an in-ring promo from the Good Brothers. They mention how Rich Swann and Willie Mack beat them last week with the roll-up, and how in wrestling terminology, if you beat the champions, you are now the number one contenders for the tag team titles. But the Good Brothers mentioned that they don't see them cashing in on that opportunity to be tag team champions because Willie Mac is now in the hospital thanks to them, thanks to what they did to Willie Mac last week by putting him through a table. And then you see the Good Brothers just laughing at the misfortune of Willie Mac. As the Good Brothers were having a good laugh in the ring, you see Rich Swan run down to the ring with a steel chair. He hits both members of the Good Brothers, and he was able to start beating up on the Good Brothers by himself. He was able to take it to him for a good bit until the numbers game got too much for him. And the Good Brothers were able to like beat down on Rich Swan, but Rich Swan still was able to hold his own. And it had security and referees come down to the ring and separate the Good Brothers and Rich Swan at this time. While the Good Brothers were walking up the ramp and just staring at Rich Swan and just like mouthing off to him, Rich grabs a steel chair and he's just ready to start swinging on anybody. And that's the end of that segment until we go to the backstage. And now you have Rich Juan looking for the good brothers, and he just constantly is yelling at security, and he's asking where they at, where they at. Then you have Scott Demore come up to Rich Juan and tell him that he needs to calm down. He's still going to get the tag team title opportunity him and Willie Mack have earned, but right now he can't get it because Willie Mack is hurt. But he does give Rich Juan a match with Carl Anderson next week in a bunkhouse brawl. You heard me right, a bunkhouse brawl. That's an old school Uh, wrestling match. I believe that's a street fight just with like anything goes. I mean like really anything like kitchen sink and AEW had one like earlier last year of 2020 with uh, the Natural Nightmares going against Butcher and the Blade and they did everything in there. You use bull ropes, they use steel chairs, they had tables. So I'm expecting Impact to follow that up with some steel chairs, some tables, some probably some even chains and probably even a beer bottle because The Good Brothers like to drink, so I can see that being incorporated into the Bunkhouse brawl next week. That's just my ideas of what might happen. Now it's time for the main event of Impact Wrestling, Ace Austin going against Tommy Dreamer, and if Tommy Dreamer wins, he gets added to the Victory Road World title match between Ace Austin and Christian Cage. Uh, This was a solid match. Ace Austin was hitting Tommy Dreamer with everything he can to put him away, but he just couldn't get uh the job done he even at one point hits a springboard famisher on dreamer but that doesn't put him away in the end dreamer hits a uh, cutter and goes for the pin and as the referee was counting the pin madman fulton grabs ace Austin's foot and puts it under the ropes and nullifies the ref notifies the ref that Austin's foot's underneath the rope so that makes the referee stop counting the pin. Dreamer noticed that Fulton did that so he tries to grab Fulton But Fulton grabs Dreamer out of the ring and puts him on his shoulder. And he's trying to throw Tommy Dreamer into the ring post. But Tommy Dreamer escapes out of this and throws Fulton into the ring post. Fulton hits the ring post. Dreamer spins Fulton around and hits him with the DDT on the outside of the ring. After he gets done with this, Tommy Dreamer tries to get back into the ring. He's in between the ropes and Ace Austin comes out of nowhere and runs over and hits the fold. Onto Dreamer. The fold is a running blockbuster. That's Ace Austin's finish. And with that, Ace Austin pins Tommy Dreamer and gets the win. So at Victory Road, it will still be a one-on-one competition match for the Impact Wrestling Championship between Ace Austin and Christian Cage. Ace Austin beats Tommy Dreamer by pinfall thanks to some interruptions, well, distractions from his big guy, his heavy hitter, Madman Fulton, on the outside of the ring. And that's the end of Impact Wrestling. Now it's time for SmackDown. The Usos come out for an A-ring promo. They get themselves ready and hyped up for the match with the Street Profits next. They question why the Street Profits would stick their nose in family business last week when the Bloodline was attacking Finn Balor. They say the Street Profits disrespected the Bloodline and they disrespected the head of the table. They finish it off, well, they finish off their promo by saying their new slogan now that they are the one. Then out comes the Street Profits. They mocked the Usos by saying they embarrassed the Usos last week in front of Roman. Dawkins then asked the Usos where their permission slips were, inferring that Roman is their daddy and they can't do nothing without Roman's permission. And they finish off their promo by saying their slogan, The Street Profits are up and we want the smoke. And now it's time for the Usos going against the Street Profits. Uh, this was a solid tag team match. I wish they would have got more time. I mean, this was a good uh, eight minute match. but it did what it was supposed to do all within eight minutes because at one point, the Street Profits were going to win when they hit their tag team finish, which is a uh, Angelo Dawkins hits a sky high on Jimmy Uso, and then Montez Ford hits a frog splash, but as he does it in midair, he's able to uh, switch his body over in the direction that he wants to hit this frog splash in, and he does it. And he hits Jimmy Uso with the frost splash, and he pins him. And the referee's about to hit his hand on three. Then Jay Uso comes in and breaks the tat, breaks the pin up. Uh, Jay Uso ends up sending Montez Ford into the ring post, shoulder first, and then he sends him into another ring post, shoulder first again. And as he's doing this, the referee is counting and he's counting up to five because Jay has up to five seconds to get out of the ring or he will be disqualified. And that's exactly what happens. Jay doesn't get out of the ring and he is disqualified. So the Street Profits win by disqualification. However, after the match, the Usos gets Angelo Dawkins, who's on the outside of the ring, and they throw him into steel steps. And as the Usos then panders to the crowd and starts chanting that they're number one, they turn around and they see Montez Ford jumping out of the ring and he lands onto the Usos. Well, at least half of his body does because his legs are able to hit the Usos, but his like top half, like the stomach and up, hit the floor and the landing is pretty hard. Whenever you see the footage, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about, but he was still able to knock down the Usos. Then you have the Street Profits stand up on top of the announce table and start shouting that they're number one, meaning that they're the next number one contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Then we go backstage and we see Roman Reigns sitting in his locker room and he tells Paul to go grab the Usos. Paul says that he will grab the Usos and he leaves Roman Reigns' locker room. And as he's walking backstage, he's stopped by Caleb Braxton. Kayla tells Paul that the bloodline is busy tonight. The Usos just got beat by the Street Profits and now Roman Reigns has to deal with Finn Balor later tonight for the Universal Championship. Paul tells Kayla that shouldn't she be somewhere doing something else? I mean, like doing anything, just anything. And as he says this, Brock Lesnar's music plays on Paul Heyman's phone. And Paul just looks around for a minute and hoping that the Usos or Roman's not around and then he ends the phone call without answering it. Paul goes back to talking to Caleb Braxton, and his phone rings again, and it's Brock Lesnar's music again, and now you know Brock Lesnar is really trying to get in touch with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman can't hide it no more, so he ends up answering the phone with a nervous look on his face. Paul says that he will relay the message along, and you see him hang up. Well, Paul Heyman doesn't hang up. He's about to say something else, but you hear that the phone hangs up on him. Paul then walks away from Braxton and bumps into a janitor and tells the janitor that if you want to clean up something, you probably want to take out the trash over there. Kayla Braxton, take her out, like get her out of here. And the janitor turns out to be Big E. And Big E just starts maniacally laughing and then he raises up the Money in the Bank briefcase, inferring that he can cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase anytime he wants on Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. So now Paul has a lot of things on his plate. One hoping that Roman or the Usos see him on the phone talking to Brock Lesnar. Two, Brock Lesnar could be showing up anytime and anywhere. Or in three, now you have Big E just popping his head in just any time that he wants to say that he will be cashing in his Money in the Bank championship. So Paul's trying to juggle so many things, and at this moment, all those things will collide at some time. Now we get an in-ring promo from Becky Lynch. Becky sets the record straight that she isn't the bad guy in all this. She mentioned how she saved Bianca Belair's match at SummerSlam because Sasha Banks wasn't there, and the higher-ups called the biggest name that they could, and there she was. Becky also mentions that Bianca is inexperienced. That's why she lost at SummerSlam and to always stay ready. Then Bianca Belair comes out, and Bianca mentions how she is embarrassed to have lost in 26 seconds, and that keeps replaying in her mind. She tells Becky that the SmackDown Women's Championship meant a lot to her, but she also tells Becky why she is the strongest because she beat three women last week, the fastest because she is the fastest rising star on SmackDown, and the toughest because when she takes back the title from Becky, she will be known as the Greatest. She mentions how Becky calls herself Big Time Bex and that she needs to do what Roman is doing tonight and defend her championship tonight in a match with Bianca Belair. Becky responds by telling her she doesn't care what Roman Reigns does, and she gives Bianca a flat-out no, and Becky then leaves the ring. Now we go to a backstage segment of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rue proceeding to walk backstage to walk to the ring for Dolph Ziggler's match next against Rick Books. Dolph sees Tony Storm just sitting, not even sitting, just standing around, and he tells Robert to keep going he'll meet up with him in a second and Robert keeps walking away Dolph asks Storm to watch his match tonight and asks does she want to be at ringside because he has some stroke Tony declines the offer and tells Dolph that she is actually rooting for Rick Boogs Dolph just takes the denial with a smile on his face and he tells Storm that he'll see her later and she says okay Now it's time for the match of Rick Boogs going against Dolph Ziggler. This is a real quick match. I mean, there's nothing really to say here, but Rick Boogs beats Dolph Ziggler relatively quick when he hits him with the pump handle slam, which is now being named the Boogs Cruise. I don't know what to tell you for this, but I mean, Dolph is just on a, a downward slide to me. I mean, he's just a guy that WWE likes to throw in now for whenever they need somebody just to do something. If Dolph were to get released right now, I think the whole wrestling community would be excited because he would finally actually get to work in a place like probably even AEW Impact or even a Ring of Honor where he at least would get to show off more of his wrestling uh, acumen in a better place than WWE has been doing him for a long period of time. So I'm saying it right now. If WWE decides to do another round of cuts, I won't be shocked if I see Dolph Ziggler on that uh, names of list. Of people being cut. Now we hit backstage again, and Becky Lynch is just walking around backstage. And this time, she is stopped by Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce. They inform Becky that at Extreme Rules, she will be defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Bianca Belair. And next week on SmackDown in Madison Square Garden, she will sign a contract to make it official. Becky just shakes her head and doesn't say anything, and just walks away in frustration. Now we go to Seth Rollins, who's in the Gorilla's position, and he mentions why he selected Cesaro in for his match tonight. He mentioned that tonight is a new beginning for Rollins. He mentioned that how he has watched his match against Edge a million times now, and he's also mentioned how he's watched a lot of Edge's other matches and has found out how Edge beat him at SummerSlam. He's going to use that technique tonight against Cesaro his arch nemesis, and then he walks away as his music begins to play. And now we are at the match of Seth Rollins going against Cesaro. During this match, Seth Rollins uses two of Edge's moves against Cesaro. The two moves are the ex- Execution and the Edge-O-Matic. Michael Cole even calls out Rollins for doing this because Rollins might have been studying Edge's matches and decided to take. Some of his moves added to his repertoire to at least see if he could beat Cesaro. That's what Michael Cole says on commentary. Rollins then attempts a sling blade onto Cesaro, but Cesaro was able to counter this and able to hit Rollins with a giant swing. In the end, Cesaro locks in the sharpshooter and Rollins grabs the ropes and Cesaro now has to break the hold. Cesaro flips Rollins out of the ring and... As Rollins is on the outside of the ring next to the barricade, Cesaro gets out of the ring and decides that he's going to run over to Rollins and hit him with an uppercut. But as he runs over to Rollins, Rollins holds a steel chair and Cesaro hits the chair. And the referee calls for the bell, so Cesaro wins by disqualification. After the match, though, Rollins then proceeds to hit Cesaro with the steel chair. And as he's doing this, he sends Cesaro back into the ring. Rollins grabs another chair and he goes into the ring and then... He looks at the chair and decides that he's going to break off a piece of metal off the chair, and locks Cesaro into the crossface with the piece of metal in his mouth, like Edge did with his rivalry in Roman Reigns. Rawls is calling out Edge as he's holding this hold on Cesaro, and Edge isn't coming out. Rawls continues to hold the hold, and then he realizes that he can't do no more, so he releases the hold. He goes to the corner and looks at Cesaro as Cesaro's starting to get up a little bit. He runs over and hits Cesaro with the curbstone. And that's not enough for Rollins. Rollins now has these bugged out eyes. And he decides to go outside the ring and grab another steel chair. He brings a steel chair inside the ring. And he puts Cesaro's head on the steel chair. And Rollins has that other steel chair that was in the ring. And he holds it up. And he's about to hit Cesaro with the concerto. Until Edge comes down. And Edge is running down with a steel chair. And Edge slides into the ring, and this sends Rollins running out of the ring and into the crowd. And Edge just stands there in the ring looking at Rollins as Rollins walking through the crowd with the chair, and he's just smiling. So this tells you that Edge and Seth Rollins' feud isn't done yet, not even by a long shot. Now we go back to Roman Reigns' locker room, and Roman is there talking with the Usos. He tells them that they have to stick to the game plan, stick to the script, if you will, and run the game plan. And the Usos are in agreement, and they leave the locker room. And when they leave, now enters Paul Heyman to talk to Roman Reigns. And I'm about to play the audio clip of the discussion that Roman and Paul Heyman had right now. My
1: tribal chief, we have a problem. (laughs) I got no problems. I'm about to smash Finn Balor. No, my tribal chief, we have a problem with Brock (laughs) Lesnar. You have a problem with Brock Lesnar. I'm gonna smash him too when the time's right. My tribal chief, Brock Lesnar, is going to be at Madison Square Garden next Friday at SmackDown. Because Brock Lesnar called me on my phone, for the first time in a year. (laughs) And he's he's at home watching the show? No, I, I guess Fox is really big in Saskatchewan. How do you know he's in Saskatchewan? I don't, maybe he's in Minnesota. How do you know that he's not here tonight?
0: (sighs) After this, we go to an Edge backstage interview, and Edge says that he knows why Rollins is doing all this, because he lost to Edge at SummerSlam. And Rollins is doing exactly what Edge will be doing if he lost. So Edge makes a challenge to Rollins for a match next week on SmackDown. And Edge tells Rollins, point blank, I told you what would happen. And I'm telling you right now, this isn't going to end good for you. After this, we get an in-ring segment of the KO Show. Kevin Owens hosts the show, and he announces that his guest is going to be Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin goes down to the ring. He talks a little bit, and he brings a guest out. And KO says, uh, you're my guest. And Happy Corbin tells KO that, no, I have a guest. And he brings out Logan Paul. Main point of this, Kevin Owens doesn't like Logan Paul, and he wants Logan Paul to leave the ring. Paul doesn't do that, so he shoves Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens shoves Logan Paul. and it looks like they're about to get into a fight, but Happy Corbin knocks Kevin Owens with the microphone and hits him with a choke slam. So Kevin Owens is laid out in the ring while Happy Corbin and Logan Paul leave out of the ring and walk up the ramp. After this, we get a match of Dominic Mysterio going against Sami Zayn. This is a rematch from last week. And the ending result is Sami Zayn is about to leave the ring after Dominic Mysterio was quickly dominating the match. But Rey Mysterio stops Sami Zayn from leaving uh the ring, and this allows Dominic to hit a top Kunhila, which is basically a jumping somersault outside of the ring onto Sami Zayn. Dominic throws Sami Zayn back into the ring and he tells his father and Mysterio that he has everything under control. But as soon as Dominic enters the ring, he gets hit with a Haluva kick and Sami Zayn pins and wins the match. So Sami Zayn beats Dominic Mysterio by pinfall. After this, we get a backstage segment of Sonia Deville. She's on the phone, walking backstage, talking about next week's episode of SmackDown, a Brock Lesnar coming to SmackDown the contract signing, and Edge versus Seth Rollins. All this is happening at Madison Square Garden. Naomi comes out of nowhere and interrupts Sonya Deville and asks her about having a match this week since she wanted to have a match last week, and Deville told her to check in with her this week. So Naomi's here to check in with her. Deville tells Naomi that this slipped her mind completely and tells her to check with her next week about a match. So Sonya Deville is constantly just blowing Naomi off. I want to see where this is going to head. Is Naomi just going to finally snap on Sonya Deville and I like just demand a match? Or is she going to just run off to her husband and this is how we get Naomi into the bloodline? I don't know. I want to see Naomi in the bloodline. At least that will make it much more uh personal to the audience because everybody knows that Naomi's married to Jimmy. So, I mean, we can just see her with the bloodline. That'll be great. Now we go to a Finn Bálor interview. Finn Bálor is at the Gorilla position and he mentions how fans keep asking him what would have happened if he didn't get injured 5 years ago when he won the Universal Championship. Finn says tonight they will get their answer and Finn music hits and he walks out to the ring. Finn does his whole entrance and as on as Finn is on the top turnbuckle posing for the audience as he does with his entrance. He is ambushed by the Usos. They super kick Finn off the top rope. Finn falls down to the outside of the ring. The Usos then throw Finn into the steel steps. The Usos then take those same steel steps and ram them into r- the ribs of Finn Balor. The Usos then decide to throw Finn back into the ring. And Jimmy was about to hit a Usos splash off the top turnbuckle, but the Street Profits come down and run down to the ring and chase the Usos off. And now Finn's in the ring just holding his ribs. And now you have referees and medical personnel coming in to check on Finn to see if he still can compete against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship as Roman is making his way down to the ring right now. Finn's ready to go. He says that he's ready to still compete. And now we're going to have our Universal Championship match of Roman Reigns going against Finn Balor. Roman dominates the match, obviously, because Finn's not at 100%. He gets thrown from pillar to post. Roman hits a couple Superman punches. But I'm not going to say that he was Finn wasn't able to get some hits off and licks off because Finn was able to do so. He hits the Pele kick. He's able to trap Roman in between the ring and the ring uh, curtain. Not the ring curtain, but the, like, the ring skirt. And trap him there and start throwing hits onto... Uh, Roman, he hits Roman with a shotgun a dropkick to the corner and even hits the coup de gras onto Roman Reigns. And by God, at this time when he hits the coup de gras, the fans are all cheering and even you have Michael Cole saying that we're going to have a new Universal Champion. And that doesn't happen because that doesn't put Roman Reigns away. And as Finn is pinning Roman Reigns, Reigns lifts his shoulder up and he lifts his arm up and it happens to hit Finn right in the family jewels and Finn gets hit with a low blow while the referee isn't looking. Now Michael Cole is saying that they don't know if Roman did this by accident or anything else. I say he did this on purpose and Michael Cole even says that he believes Roman did it on purpose because Roman has done this in the past. Especially whenever he came back last year. That was like his go-to move and whenever he was like wrestling at at the pay per view. He did that to Jay on uh, Night of Champions, he did that on a couple episodes of Smackdown. Anytime he was almost about to lose, he always would lift his arm up and hit it right the Family Jewels. So, I mean, this one he did it right on purpose. And then as soon as he got done doing that and Finn's over there, like, holding himself, Finn gets mauled by Roman. Roman goes over there and starts just hitting Finn in the head and leveling him and just fist after fist after fist, punch after punch to Finn's head. And then Roman ends up locking in the guillotine on Finn Balor. Finn Balor doesn't tap out, he doesn't do anything, he just passes out in the guillotine, and the referee sees it, and the referee calls for the match to stop, so Roman is still the Universal Champion, technically by submission. Roman Reigns leaves the ring, and as him and Paul are walking up the ramp, and Paul's holding up the Universal Championship, you hear a flash of, you see a flash of a quick red light hit the ring, and a heartbeat sound off in the arena. Paul and Roman just stop and they stare at one another and then they just don't like acknowledge it after that and they proceed to walk back up the ramp and to the back. And that's the end of Smackdown. Let me tell you something, that red light and that beating heartbeat, that is the sign of the demon coming out of Finn Balor soon. So this is basically letting everybody know that we're going to get the return of the demon Finn Balor or the demon king Finn Balor coming out to go after Roman Reigns somewhere down the line. That's what that meant, if you don't understand. I would suggest you look up on YouTube, or go to Peacock, go to WWE uh, Network on Peacock, and look up Finn Balor, Demon King, and you'll see the whole persona of Finn in uh, makeup, and he turns into a whole nother person. That's the Demon King. But anyway, uh, the end of SmackDown, Roman Reigns wins, he walks up the ramp, the red light flashes in the ring, and the heartbeat... Uh, sounds off in the arena, and that's the end of SmackDown. Now on to AEW Rampage. The first match of the night is Malachi Black versus Big Shotty Lee Johnson. Let me just say this. Lee was able to get a lot of offense off of this match, more offense than Cody Rhodes did in uh, Malachi Black's debut match in AEW. Malachi was supposed to just come in and just destroy uh Johnson, but that didn't happen. Johnson was able to hold his zone. He even hits a uh tope uh dive onto black on the outside and then he hits a frog splash on Malachi Black. He doesn't put uh Malachi Black away with this, and then Malachi starts getting up and starts just leveling Johnson. He even gets Johnson in the in the corner of the turnbuckles and start just hitting him in the gut and in the face with nothing but punches. And at this point he drops. Uh, Johnson, Malachi Black, at this time, then goes outside of the ring, goes underneath the ring and grabs a steel chair. And you see him bring the steel chair into the ring. The referee is telling Malachi Black, don't use the the chair or I have to disqualify you. Malachi Black lifts up the steel chair. You think he's about to use it, but he doesn't. He drops it right in front of Johnson and tells Johnson to pick it up and use it. He's trying to goat Johnson into using this steel chair instead of trying to beat him to get the win. He's telling Johnson to try to get revenge for Malachi Black just taking out all of uh, the Nightmare family members. But Johnson grabs the steel chair. He's struggling to get up. But when he gets up and he has a steel chair in his hands, he just has a like a crying like face to him in agony. And he just can't seem to lift the chair to hit Malachi, so Malachi hits Lee with a spinning uh, heel kick to the face, pins uh, Johnson, and gets the win. So Malachi Black beats Big Shoddy Lee Johnson by spinning a heel kick and gets the pinfall after this. After the match, Dustin Rhodes comes down to the ring. He enters the ring, and he decides to grab the steel chair, and he's about to try to level Malachi Black, but Malachi leaves out of the ring quick as soon as Dustin gets in the ring. Malachi Black looks at Dustin and starts lifting up his fingers and starts ticking them down one after another. He's labeling off the members of the Nightmare family that he took out. He took out Cody. He took out Arn. He took out Brock. And now he's took out Shoddy Lee Johnson and he tells Dustin that he'd be the fifth person. Now we go to a backstage interview of Mark Henry interviewing Dustin Rose. Dustin Rose makes it short and simple. He has a match with Malachi Black this upcoming week on Dynamite, and he tells Malachi Black that he's been doing this for five decades and that he's seen darkness, he's lived through darkness, and that he's going to hurt Malachi Black on Dynamite. Now we go back to the ring, and now we get an in-ring promo from Miro, the TNT champion. Miro states that he's upset that Kingston took an AEW contract even though he lost his match against Cody last year for the TNT championship. He says that Kingston has to become soft. He's become comfortable since he's gotten the AEW contract, and now he's just rendered down to being a bandmate for John Moxley. Now Eddie Kingston comes out, and the first thing he tells Miro that is that God sent him, his God sent him to punish Miro. Kingston continues on by saying that he knows Miro's weakness, and he names the moves that he has used to on Miro to hurt Miro. He talks about he used the exploder a suplex, Saito suplex, the Strauch Plum. And now he talks about using the DDT to hurt Miro since Miro has had a bad neck. Miro tells Kingston that if he takes another step, he will get redeemed tonight. Miro is standing in the ring just watching Kingston as Kingston's taking off his rosemary beads and he puts it into his cap. And he just Runs right into the ring, and Miro decides to leave the ring. Kingston is now in the ring, and he's watching as Miro just circle around the ring. He decides to roll out of the ring and try to attack Miro, but Miro is waiting for that, and Miro hits Kingston with the TNT Championship. Miro then grabs Kingston up off the floor and throws him back into the ring, and he plays the TNT Championship onto Kingston's face, and he's about to stomp on Kingston's face. But Kingston rolls out of the way, and Miro... Misses it, but as soon as Miro turns to look at Kingston, Kingston's up on his feet and he hits Miro with a spinning back fist and then hits him with a DDT. Now you have Kingston standing tall while Miro is just laid out on the ground, and this might be the image that you see it all out. And if that's the case, Kingston will be your TNT champion. Now we have a handicap match of Chris Statlander going against the team of Jamie Hayter and Rebel. This was a solid match. You understand the premise. Jamie Hader gets in the ring and she's able to dominate Chris Statlander because Jamie is the more experienced out of the two between Hayter and Rebel. She's the wrestler while Rebel is just more the sidekick for Britt Baker all throughout this time. And Hayter was able to dominate the match, but when Rebel gets tagged in, she tries to maintain the dominance that Hayter gave to her on a silver platter, but Chris Statlander was able to turn it around and beat down a Rebel. So Chris, was, Chris Statlander was able to make Rebel tap out with a submission that Excalibur calls a reverse Scorpion Kiss. I mean, it was a different looking finish, but anyway, uh, Rebel tapped out. And after the match, you have Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker, and Rebel surround the ring as Chris Statlander standing in the middle of the ring, and you see them about to attack Chris Statlander until Red Velvet comes out to make the save. And now you have Red Velvet and Chris Stanley just looking at all three women. And you now see Britt Baker and the rest of her company leave and start walking up the ramp. And that's the end of that. Now it's time for AEW Rampage's main event. Danny Garcia with 2.0 in their corner going against Darby Allen with Sting in his corner. As this match was happening, CM Punk was on commentary for the match. Danny Garcia was in control of this match majority of the time because when Darby Allen missed a running attack on the outside of the ring, uh, when Daniel Garcia was next to a table that was set up on the outside, Darby Allen rushed over to it, and Dar- uh, Daniel stepped out of the way, so Darby ends up smacking the table and rolling off the table and hits his head on the floor. And this allows Daniel Garcia to grab and now just maintain a hit. Darby with a whole lot of stretches... And a whole lot of sleeper holds and everything throughout this match. But one move that Darby does hit in this match is the Pepsi twist, a move that uh, CM Punk used to do in his earlier career. But in the end, Darby Allen ties up Daniel Garcia for a pin and gets the win. And Darby Allen is now the winner of this match. However, after the match though, 2.0 gets in the ring and attacks Darby Allen. And Sting is handling Daniel Garcia on outside of the ring. While 2.0 is beating up Darby Allen on the outside of the ring, CM Punk gets up from the commentary table and starts walking his way down the ring. 2.0 gets off of Darby and is now backing away as CM Punk is just constantly moving forward towards him. As this is happening, 2.0 is constantly bad-mouthing Punk, and out of nowhere, they get blasted by Darby Allen, who hits a fast-paced dive onto 2.0 uh who are on the outside of the ring. Once Darby Allen gets up, he stares off into CM Punk's face and those two just have a nice intense stare down to try to sell you on their match at all out this Sunday. Just for the people to get the last thing image of CM Punk's going to be wrestling against Darby Allen at all out this Sunday. You guys need to order the pay-per-view and that's the end of the Rampage, CM Punk, and Darby Allin just having this stare off and just stare down. Now, before I get you guys out of here, let me give you guys my prediction for All Out this Sunday. For the 21 Women Casino Battle Royale, and the winner gets a shot at the AEW Women's Championship, Uh, I have Thunder Rosa winning because Thunder Rosa, out of all the participants that I'm looking at right now, she's like the only one I see that has a feud with. Britt Baker that still needs something to end off because Brit is the uh women's champion as Thunder Rosa was the last woman that beat Britt Baker on her road to become the AEW women's champion. So this will be another uh nice little feud that I like to see reignite again. Uh John Moxley versus, versus uh Kojima. I see John Moxley beating Kojima. Paul White going against QT Marshall. Uh you know what? I still go with Paul White. I'll go with Paul White beating QT Marshall. Even though he got hit in the knee with a steel chair, I don't see Paul White losing to QT at all. Chris Jericho versus MJF. I see Chris Jericho winning. I don't see AEW putting their uh legend like putting a wrestling legend like Chris Jericho just on the commentary table for the rest of his time on AEW. I don't see that happening. Uh, Eddie Kingston versus Miro for the TNT Championship. I see Miro beating Eddie Kingston because right now it's not the time for Miro to drop the TNT Championship. The Young Bucks going against the Lucha Brothers for the AEW Tag Team Championship in a steel cage. I see the Lucha Brothers winning because right now the Young Bucks have no more other teams to really like to beat because they've held on to the titles almost for a solid year now. But, yeah, I don't see... There's no other tag team on their... current roster to go against unless like they want to go and try to run back their match with Proud and Powerful for a couple of years ago. But I don't see that happening. So I see the Lucha Brothers winning and becoming the new AEW tag team champions. Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Britt Baker, because she just got the championship and they need to for her to just hold on to that belt longer because they need uh more uh high quality star a female wrestler to try to take the title off of Britt Baker, CM Punk versus Darby Allen, CM Punk's return match from seven years. CM Punk's winning. I don't see Darby Allen beating CM Punk, especially on CM Punk's like return to professional wrestling. Yeah, I don't see Darby Allen beating CM Punk unless they're gonna try to tell the story of CM Punk having so much ring rust that he really has to start at the bottom with some like green, green level guys, and you start building Punk all the way back up. But I don't see AEW doing that. So CM Punk's beating Darby Allin. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW Championship. Kenny Omega's beating Christian Cage. And here's my little thing for this. If there's no reports of Adam Cole having signed by this, by today, Saturday, I have a prediction that Adam Cole might pop up at the end of this match just to have a stare down with Kenny Omega. Because I still think since Adam Cole is reportedly not signed back with WWE yet i can see Adam Cole popping in just to stand right in front of Kenny Omega at the end of All Out especially since Chicago is a big wrestling uh town i can see that really just like flooding the entire wrestling world especially on a sunday night and then carry AEW into that upcoming wednesday on dynamite so that's my prediction i'm not sure if Adam Cole's going to Make it there. That's just my little thing that I hope Adam Cole pops up if he doesn't get signed by somebody by today. But anyway, those are my predictions for AEW uh, All Out. And also, by the way, next week on AEW Rampage, we will be getting the match that we were supposed to get on All Out with. Pac going against uh, Andrade, but they didn't have the match at All Out because apparently there was some travel issues and I'm just letting it be known. I can't wait to see the match on next week's uh, AEW Rampage. But anyway, that has been wrestling highlights of the week. I will be giving you guys a all-out uh, review on Monday, so be on the lookout for that. I also will be talking to you guys tomorrow for my uh, Sunday episode of wrestling, not wrestling, but uh, news topics. And I hope you guys come in and uh, listen to that. So let me give you guys my social media links so I can get you guys out of here. On Twitter, you can follow me at, at @my2podcast. On Instagram, my 2 g 2 And if you want to talk to me about any business or even just want to talk to me just to see you have somebody to talk to cuz you guys can always talk to me about anything and it will be just be a personal uh thing between me and you. It'll never go out to anybody else. My email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com is again, it's my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And remember, don't put T W O or T O O put the actual number two in all these social media links. You can listen to all my past podcast episodes and future podcast episodes on PodBeam, Apple podcasts, uh, Google podcasts, and now Amazon music. So yeah, you can listen to the podcast on Amazon music as well. I just want to say thank you all for sticking around all this time to have listened to all of the wrestling highlights of the week. Um, this has been wrestling highlights of the week presented by my two cents podcast hosted by G2. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet boys again. I love you all. Remember you're not alone. If you need somebody to talk to, please email me, please do that. We do not need to have another tragedy out here. If you feel that it's overbearing, if you feel that something is just, You just need to get something off your chest. Please just email me and we can just have a nice conversation. Or if you just need a soundboard to say, hey, I don't need you to say nothing. I just want to send this email to you and just get this off my chest. Hey, I will gladly read it and I will just gladly hold that between me and you. Hey, man or gal or whoever, please do not end your life. Uh, Life is precious and we need to make uh, moments last so we can continue on every day so we can at least press on to see uh brighter days because brighter days are always ahead of us every single day so please 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 don't end your life please if you feel you need someone to talk to please just email me or uh talk to your friend or talk to a person get a get a hotline number please please do not end your life please um but, yeah, I'm sorry to end it on a low note like that, but it's something that needed to be said as I said at the earlier uh at the top of the podcast, so please, 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 just remember you're not alone, you will make it out of this dark spot. It's just a dark spot right now that you have, it. but remember, you will make it out of this. It's not worth it, please, 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 don't ever end your life. just talk to somebody, email me or talk. Uh, Get a hotline number and just talk to a random person. So, um, yeah. This isn't goodbye. This is Until You Hear from the Sweet Voice again. You can email me. Um, I love you all. I love you all. Please, please uh, keep your head up. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. You'll hear from me again. Yeah, this has been G2. I want to thank you all. I love you all. And please remember, life is precious. And with that, I leave you all adieu. Bye-bye, farewell, have a great rest of your day, and also please stay safe this uh, Labor Day weekend as well. But until then, you hear from me again. I love you all. Bye-bye now. I'm tired, you tired.